Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week I'm joined by one of the amazing co-hosts of the horror movie podcast, The Nightlight. Freddie, how are you going? Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited for this. I am so excited. I've been thinking about it all week. Oh yeah, me too. I, I, I adore this movie that we're about to talk about. Um, I just recently rewatched it, obviously, for this podcast, and I really can't wait to talk about it. It's it's honestly a gem that is, I feel like, not found in many places or at least not talked about as often as I want it to be. Absolutely. And I'm a huge, um, I am like the biggest Mike Flanagan fangirl alive. Yes. Same. <laughs> Whenever oh. I watch one of his films, I want to like go and hug him and be like, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, this world does not appreciate him more. I mean, he needs to be appreciated a lot more because he is Absolutely. a god in the horror genre. He's fantastic in everything he does from the haunting of Bly Manor uh, to Oculus to pretty much everything he's touched. I feel like he's never had a miss in my no. eyes, even like small films like Hush. It's fantastic as well. I um I recently listened to um the episode of Horror in Session with uh Prince and they yeah. were talking about Absentia. And so that night I like went and found it. It's on Shudder, I think. I can't remember, but I found it on I've got like six million streaming services, so I really couldn't tell you where <laughs> I found it. But I was I watched well, it and fair. I was just like, this is one of his full like first feature length films. And Right. It's just really cool. Like, it's a really cool concept. And have you seen it? No, I have not, actually. That's, like, the only one I haven't. Yeah. I mean, it's very amateur-based, and I think it was a crowdfunded film as well. So, but it's a really cool concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I know, like, him. (laughs) Oh, me too. And I know that (laughs) Prince is, like, one of the biggest fanboys of all time, too. Uh, I will fight him for that talk about him. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm sure. I will I'll be over him. here with the popcorn, and we're like, <laughs> when both of you guys are weak, I'm going to come in there and knock both of you guys out. I'll be like, <laughs> Take sorry, Mike Flanagan, it's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he's great. And the whole production company with Intrepid Pictures is doing some amazing work, and I can't wait for yeah. his uh, continuation with a bunch of properties that he's doing for Netflix. And it yes. sounds like Netflix is like his home base, and... I, I can't wait to see what he puts out. I know he's having a couple of TV series. Uh, he just announced a new project, which I kind of forgot about, but it's like based on a book. Um, but he's a busy person in the industry as yeah. well. Because they and... did, um, Netflix did a big um, a press release talking about um, Mike Flanagan's continued relationship with them. So I think there's right. three films and two TV shows from what I read or what, and what I know. I think so. It, uh, yeah. Every time I see, like, on Twitter, I always feel like he's making a new announcement of some different property <laughs> that he's a part of. And I'm like, I'm for it. Do I'm all here. of it. It's we like, should get Mike take... Flanagan shirts. I'm down. I'll get a Mike Flanagan <laughs> tattoo, maybe. No, that, okay, maybe that's too much. Too aggressive. But you never know. Maybe I will have to like, make a little thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Sleep tattoo after this. <gasps> That'd be cool. Yeah. I don't, what would you get for a Dr. Sleep tattoo? <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> um i don't know i'd probably figure something out or just maybe the word abra to like oh that'd be cool be great for her or maybe like uh the hat maybe from Ooh. rose the hat 
I don't know. Yeah. It'd be something fancy, of course. Something symbolic. I'd get one of the um the boxes from his mind. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> I'm gonna beat you to my Mike Flan I'm gonna beat you to the Mike Flanagan tattoo. We all come back, we all have Mike Flanagan <laughs> tattoos. People are just but, like, you guys are nuts. No, we just love Mike Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan's like I said, he's very god tier in the horror genre. Um if yeah. he directed every single horror movie from now on, I'd be okay with it. Um <laughs> I mean, there's great filmmakers out there. I'm not going to say have him do all of it, but let's make him do the majority of them. I'd be down for it. <laughs> I'd be down for it. I'd be down for him doing like this kind of stuff, like his supernatural horror, because he's just, oh, he's that excellent. feels like that is his space, really. Especially with Haunting of Hill House. I wasn't a big fan of Bly Manor, but uh, I loved Hill House. Yeah, I do have to say I liked Hill House more. But I really like the story of Bly Manor, and yeah. I feel like it's something very different, and that's something a lot of people got thrown off on. But at the same time, it just proves that he's a great storyteller, yeah. and he's really good with having deep layers between his characters that he has on screen as well. And he portrays that very, very well, and yeah. it comes very organic, very genuine off his end. And I feel like he's a very down-to-earth person that just wants to tell personal stories and then has ghost elements in it. Because in a lot of his movies, we see that these characters are all pretty, quote-unquote, character-driven. And we get a lot of deep insights. So I do appreciate that from him. Yeah, he's very purposeful and insightful with all of his character development. And, you know, that just goes to show that the teams that he works with as well are very... um, into what they do too, a very passionate and very, um, you know, very supportive of Mike Flanagan's vision overall. Oh, absolutely. And he does like to use a lot of the same cast members over and over again for yeah. different projects as well. well. his wife. And I think, <laughs> yeah, of course, his wife is definitely in the picture. Um, and she's fantastic in oh, what, yeah. everything she does as well. And I just uh, followed her book club on Instagram and it's actually oh. really cool. <laughs> Awesome. It, the, the choices she picks i'm like yeah this is a pretty badass book i would love to read about and oh. stuff like that well what's and, the handle for that uh, I, I think it's like just kate loves book or some books or something oh, cool. like that yeah it's That's really awesome. fantastic well let's dive into dr sleep which i'm down I love so much oh i'm reading the book at the <laughs> moment and so the this is the first time where i haven't read the book before i've watched the movie i've watched the movie and it's inspired me to read the book so i'm okay yeah I'm, yeah I, I have to read the book too i haven't read it yet it's um it's good so far i can't remember where i'm up to um i don't know where i'm up to i was only reading it the other night i'm sure it's super memory. big too um, i'm sure really. it's super long you. It's like a normal size book, so like. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad at all. It's um about yeah. it's around the f- oh no that's because there's a it's four hundred and eighty two pages. Well, that's not too bad. I can knock and that I'm, out. I'm up to when he gets to Teeny Town. Oh, okay, sweet. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like traveled all over everywhere. Right. And he's, Finally at home in Fraser. Is it Fraser? I no, don't remember. that's another place he goes to. Because yeah. he goes to like all these different places in the book. And I'm like, can you just this is confusing. Pick a spot? Yeah. Just go. Can you just stay in one area? 
Yeah. But it's really interesting. The book's really interesting because you get such a deep look into Dan's substance abuse and it's just, um, right. yeah, really, it's really heavy. And I guess that Stephen King would have a lot of insight into that having, you know, gone through similar things himself. So Exactly. That's a big, yeah. heavy subject for him in a lot of his movies and also seen in The Shining and obviously in Dr. Yeah. Sleep about alcoholism and getting past that and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, he Stephen King just does a really amazing job at giving his characters so much depth and so much mm-hmm. humanity. It's it just blows my mind. And then Mike Flanagan and Stanley Kubrick to a certain extent bring that to life so incredibly well that it's I'm just not a big fan of Kubrick because of like what right. happened during the filming of The Shining and whatnot and so it's a little bit controversial for me how he treated uh the people that were on the set. And um Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, so let's begin. Years following the events of The Shining, and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Dr. Sleep is a 2009 American supernatural horror written and directed by Mike Flanagan. It's based on the 2013 novel of the same title by Stephen King. It's the sequel to the 1997 novel The Shining. The film serves as a direct sequel to the 1980 adaptation of The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick. The film stars Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, um, Kylia Curran, and Cliff Curtis. Fantastic cast. Great cast. (laughs) I I love this cast. Rebecca Ferguson in this film. Holy shit. Right. Okay, so that was another thing I tweeted recently, too. I was like, you know what? This solidified my love for Rebecca Ferguson and all the work that she's done. And I had a conversation with someone. I was like, she definitely kind of deserved a Oscar nomination for this. Because I feel like she had a lot of range in her performance. And it's something that's very haunting and also very charismatic at the same time. It's like, you're really cool and you're a very bad person, but I like you because of this as well. Yeah. It, she's a very likable character and she's a terrible person in this. Yeah. So someone that can pull that off as an actress is phenomenal. I have to say. Yeah. I, I love this entire cast. Like this is, is this Kylie Curran's? It's her second film, isn't it? Cause she did, um, she was in black Panther, I believe. Or am I thinking of someone else? Let me see. I can definitely look it up because uh, she is fantastic too. I would say she's yeah. my all-time favorite person in this she's movie. My f- and do you know I've heard rumors of a spin-off for Abra, oh, and I'm I, just like, I, I would uh, be all yes. about it. Please <laughs> give me a six-season TV show. <laughs> yeah, Abra is a badass. She, yeah, uh, she's I so mean, brilliant. As she's uh, really was she was only born in 2005. God, she's like oh, what 16 then. <laughs> No, yeah. So she's so young, but at the same wow. time, I'm surprised she's a little bit on the older side. I thought she was younger, but as someone that age, she is really great and has so yeah. much control in her performance. So I'm very surprised by that. And yeah, it looks like she's not in a lot of stuff and this is definitely the start of her career. And I feel and- like she's going to knock it out of the park. I feel like we're going to see a lot more roles coming to her. I think a lot of people are going to start picking her up. And they'd be stupid not to. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it looks like she has a TV series coming out later this year, which I'm excited about. I don't even know what it's about. And I'm like, I'm down. The Silver Springs one? 
Yes. It's yes. Disney. Yeah, it's about ghost uh, investigators. Oh, okay. It's going to be okay. really cool. So, so maybe we'll see her a lot. I've been trying to get my sister onto it because my yeah. niece loves stuff like that. Uh, my niece loves Ghostbusters. So I was like, oh, maybe she'll really like this show. So right. we're, we're all looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see her stay within that genre of just horror films yes. and see where she goes with yes. that too. Oh yeah, I could God. definitely see her being a little Oscar contender later in the future too. So Should have been for we'll this. Just wait and see. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, just so you horror does not get enough love. No, we should get a petition. I mean, there's probably been a million, but oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, watching Parasite take out so many awards last year has really um, given me more faith that horror is getting recognized for how brilliant it really is. Exactly, and especially for last year too. Twenty twenty is probably the year of horror. <sighs> I feel like the that year alone spotlighted yeah. horror just because movie theaters were kind of closed. Not a lot of movies are coming out and the horror has just been around in the on demand and straight to VOD for such a long time. Those were yeah. the only movies that were kind of coming out. And that's the only movies a lot of people got to see. And it just, uh, it made me smile to realize that horror was getting a big name last year, which oh yeah, great ones came out. Of course. I, um, do you want to hear a really embarrassing story? Okay. Yeah, so, I'm all about it. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I googled St. Maud release date Australia. Yes. Oh, and so it came up February 21st, um, but it didn't have the year next to it. So I'm like, fuck yeah, it's coming out in Australia on the 21st. I can go to the cinemas and watch it. Like, they're going to do a oh, screening God. of it. Um, yeah. It was screening last February, and I only found that out, like, two days ago. So I've been, like, bugging my partner, being like, we have to go to the cinemas this weekend to go see St. Maud. And then I find out that it was <laughs> 21st of February 2020. So I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. When am I going to get to see yeah, this movie? St. <laughs> Maud. Uh, St. Maud was, like, one of those movies that, like, just teased us over and over again. It's like, when is it going to oh. be released? When is it coming out? Uh, they they should have released that a long time ago, but I'm happy it's finally yeah. somewhat out. Well, it's on um VOD for you guys isn't for it? epics. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about just getting a VPN, signing up for like if it's got a free trial period. You should definitely it do that. Getting out of there. I used to do it for Shutter before it launched here. So, and I have to say, big shout out to Shutter. Shutter is fantastic, and they've been putting out great content from last year to this year. What yeah. a beautiful streaming service. More people need to be on that. Oh, I'm telling everybody. I was like, you like horror movies? Get shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, make me an ambassador. Hit me up, guys. Let me know. Yeah. I, will, I will get people on your platform. Yeah, uh, make <laughs> me the Australian spokesperson for Shutter. I can do it. Right. I'm on that platform all day, every day. Basically same, yeah. <laughs> What's the most place? recent one you watched on Shutter? Um, I think I rewatched Host again. Okay. Like the fourth time uh before that, I haven't yet. oh it's great it's only an hour it's meant to be really scary and i just can't do that yeah i would <laughs> it is a very scary one and i recommend watching it on a computer screen it just enhances it because it feels no. like you're on the zoom call with them it's so great. no horrible <laughs> uh, the best way possible oh nice okay yeah it was cool. I just, I'm a really big fan of Henry Zabrowski from Last Podcast on the Left, and he's in it, and that's the only reason I watched it. But it turned out to be a great <laughs> movie. I was like, that's oh, awesome. Cool. I, I think the this. next one for me is uh, Anything for Jackson. That's on my top of the list. Please. Yeah, I know. I hear nothing oh. but good things. 
I will watch it after this podcast. I promise. I'll I'll watch it today. Message me and tell me exactly what you think because it's so good. I will watch it today for sure. It gets a little bit crazy towards the end, and you're like, "Whoa, where's this going?" But the whole plot (laughs) of it is just really good. I loved it. All right, so opening scene. It's Florida, 1981. Um, So we meet Violet, who is on a camping trip with her family. They're in an RV and Violet wanders off into the woods and finds a woman sitting by the lake who is singing hauntingly. I watched the opening couple of minutes this morning and I was like, oh, this is really creepy. Thanks. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot how creepy this bit is. Like a, you know, woman uh, preying on a small child. Great. (laughs) So <laughs> it's terrifying. And Rebecca Ferguson, she's one of those oh, actresses that can just pull this off. Because you don't see her as eyes. the actress. You see her. Yeah. And oh, she is literally just a predator in this movie the entire time. Yeah. And what a soundtrack. It just starts mm. off with, like the heartbeat. And it's just Oof. like boom, 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 boom. It just continues on. It. it just sets the tone of the entire movie. Yeah. So uh, we meet Rose the Hat, who is played by the incredibly talented Rebecca Ferguson. And so she's saying to Violet, um, do you want to see some magic? Because you're magic, aren't you? And I'm just like, oh, get away from her. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. Um, So while she's speaking to Violet, we see a group of people start to surround Rose the Hat and Violet. And um, yeah, so they all... um, we don't really see what they do to to Violet. We only, and that's what I no, love about we this only film assume. as well. We just assume that something bad has happened, and at this point, we don't really oh, know sure. what the true knot is about. So we're just like, what are they doing with that child? Exactly, but you you know it's something very very bad, and oh, yeah. I feel like this is a good introduction to the knot, uh, and to see how many of them they are as well. It's quite yeah. frightening because you see maybe just one person first, and then she hears another sound, and you see multiple yeah. them, multiple people there, and you kind of see this in the trailer, which I wish they didn't really show that much. Yeah, in the trailer, which is fine. That's the problem with trailers nowadays too. But it's such a great reveal of just hearing a branch snap, and then you just see multiple people surrounding you, and then they all close in on you, and then we open to the movie. That's great. Yeah, it's a really cool opening scene. It's very impactful and dynamic and yeah, it just really sets this like ominous tone for the rest of the film. Exactly. It sets the stage of what's at stake, which is yeah. great. Which is a lot of small children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people had issues with this film because of the fact that they hunted children. Yeah, obviously we'll talk about the scene that really kind of disturbed me. I think you yeah. obviously know what I scene I'm know talking about. I already know which one it was. Which um, one it is, yeah. And I know we're, we're talking about the, um, the theater version of this movie, but in the director's yes. cut, yeah. it's a lot longer, and I'm just like, oh my god. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, oh. no, it's Yeah, I did read um, some notes on the director's cut, so I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to watch any more than what I did for that. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Giving me goosebumps yeah. already thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are taken over to Danny and his mother, Wendy, who where, you know, his mum's trying to 
get him to talk because he's so traumatized by what happened at the Overlook Hotel that he hasn't even spoken to his mother since they left. And um, you can see how passionate his mum is about his safety and well-being. And the um, Alex Esso, who plays Wendy, looks so, so similar. Oh, my God. It's insane. Super. It's crazy. Talk about, like, great casting because, yeah, yeah, she looks exactly like the counterpart in The Shining. Yeah. And because Flanagan didn't want to use CGI and superimpose the faces of the characters from Stanley Kubrick's adaptation, he wanted to find genuine cast members who looked like the original cast. And I was like, and you see that further right. in with Lloyd, the bartender as well. And even the young oh, child yeah. that they get to play Danny looks just like Danny in The Shining. And it's like, what? Danny? My yeah. And, um, and Dick, O'Ha- uh, Dick Halloran as well, who's played by Carl Lumbly, looks just like him as well. And I'm like, oh, what the, this is insane. This is amazing. Who is your casting director? Right. They, uh, that's the nice thing about this movie. They do a great homage to The Shining without really deviating too far from it and honoring yeah. what happened in the events and the people involved. And it just continues the story perfectly. Yeah. It's really, it's just amazing. I just, oh, I could talk about this film for about 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to rough estimate. Pardon? It's like, I was like, probably about the same. Yeah. I was yeah. about to say like <laughs> 17 hours, 20 minutes, you know, but yeah. Oh. So you really do like Mike Flanagan more than me. I mean, I guess 20 minutes more than him. Yeah. <laughs> so we find out that Danny's been experiencing nightmares uh, where he's being visited by the spirits of the hotel. And there's this really, oh, this scene creeps me the hell out because I just, kids and ghosts and kids seeing ghosts. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's like all my worst things in one scene together. <laughs> right. And so um, Danny is approaching the bathroom. There's water coming out from underneath and he opens the door and the shower curtain and there's the woman from room 237 sitting in the bathtub and it's just so incredibly disturbing for me. Oh, for sure. No, I I mean, rightfully so. This is a very scary situation that he's in. And, of course, this is kind of like related back to the shining of the room 237 and i feel like it's executed perfectly in this too because you see the perspective of a kid realizing what he's seeing and he's so scared that he even like wets himself that's scary that's like you feel that it's like you're just a child and you're witnessing this you should not be witnessing this Mm. and we're just there as the viewer we can't do anything about it and i feel like that's the thing that becomes so effective by this yeah, absolutely. It's really um it's really impactful because, you know, obviously Wendy is panicking and what's wrong, what's wrong, tell me. And he's just so traumatized that all he, he does is talk. suck his thumb. And it's yeah. like that's a usual coping mechanism for kids as well, to go completely nonverbal when traumatized. Yeah. Um I really like this scene because I'm a big Dick Halloran fan. Like big dick, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I put his last name on that. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I could have been taken wrong. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's probably my favorite character in The Shining, and I'd love to see like oh, wow. a movie about yeah. him. So yeah, I really, really loved him in The Shining. Uh, he was just really cool. Yeah, I would love to see him come back. I would love to yeah. see him come back. 
Yeah. And so he's speaking with um, Danny, uh, what we don't know at the time, uh, because I did he get killed off? He did get killed off in The Shining, but I don't think he did in the book. Yeah. I think he didn't. I think cool. he was okay in the book, from what I from what I've been told. Possibly, I, I haven't read the book. the book in literally years. Yeah, I've read it a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, I don't let's, remember. Yeah, let's just assume he's killed. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. it sounds good. Yeah. Speaking with Danny, and you know, he's saying to him, um, "You can you can put things from the Overlook away in boxes, but not memories. They are the real ghosts. You take them with you." Basically, saying that. Um, your memories are the ones, the things that are going to haunt you. And, you know, um, those ghosts are hungry and they're going to come for you because they're starving. And that was really creepy as well. Like, and it's not even like what he said, but it was the intensity that he said it with that I was sold. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this poor kid. Yeah. It's it's the way it's like, he like has this mannerism and demeanor about how he's telling this information to danny and he says a great line too he's like the darkness will eat what shines and i feel like a lot of the stuff that he talks about can even be put in context of just the real world in general it's like there's a lot of stuff that's bad in the world um if you're always caught in the darkness you'll stay in the darkness if you stay with the shine you'll always shine on and stuff like that there's a lot of like deep layers to it and deep meanings to it and I feel like that's a great thing about this movie too, because we do have like a mentor to walk us through the thin line of the deep meanings and the actual story that's being told by this character. Yeah, absolutely. He's just really, um, oh, he's just amazing. Yeah, he's there when people need him most, which I yeah. love. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's the really cool thing about him. Cool. That's the real... Um, the real shine. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> No, I just want to hug him too. <laughs> Let's just hug all these people. I'm down. Oh, post COVID, I guess I have to put that out. Oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> oh post COVID, I am I am following Mike Flanagan everywhere. <laughs> Not like personally. I just mean if he like is speaking at an event or something. Right. Will, no. I'm, yeah. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm not going to his house. That's weird. <laughs> no. Yeah, we don't do that. So don't worry yeah. about it. He's safe. We'll go to his events. We'll get his tattoos, but we won't like stalk him. No, of course. There's a thin line. We won't. Yeah. Him. But also, <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not that weirdo. Um. So what's really cool here is that uh, Dick is also explaining to Danny uh, how to hide these ghosts and to trap them, and he shows mm. him this box, and he's like, "This is, I think, his mum or his grandmother told him to do." And you know you put you lock the spirits away. So he doesn't really say put them in the box. He's like you know create this right. in your mind, and you know this will protect you. And so this becomes really significant later in the film, in the last like ten minutes, and it's just this really epic scene that right. I love so much. And um, we just get to see how important this box really is. Um, so that night. Um, Denny and Wendy are watching a movie together and Denny goes into the bathroom where <laughs> the bathtub lady is waiting for him like she is every night. And I love this scene because I watched it this morning. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how crazy the sound is in this movie because he closes the door and oh, all yeah. you hear is this intense, excruciatingly painful scream. And I was like, oh, my God, what is he doing? 
What is happening? Yeah, it, it's nuts. I love the sound mixing in this. The sound mixing is so great. Yeah. Uh, God, Mike Flanagan. God damn it. Because I know he it. edits his own it? movies too, and the way he edits oh, the movies, it's so good. Uh, so Mike Flanagan and his sound design. Um, so you were saying he edits all his film. Does he have a sound yeah. person, or does he do a lot of that himself? Oh, I'm pretty sure he has uh, a sound person that he's been using for a while. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can pull him up. Because he actually uses a lot of people, not only in his cast, but as his crew like as his well. cinematographers. Yeah. yeah. Which I think a lot of them come from Intrepid, which is great. Okay. Uh, what other movies has Intrepid done? Uh, so that's his film company. So oh, that's his all film company. His okay. When it comes to like his, yeah. film, like the film companies behind the crew, that's where I get lost, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> no what, what do I do there? <laughs> I've I've honestly just noticed that company more so, just because every time I watch a Mike Flanagan film, it pops up, and I'm like, oh, I need to like <laughs> look into their property because. They're fantastic. And then yeah. when Bly Manor came out, they were the ones doing all of the promotional material. And I was like, oh, I got to follow this account. So I followed them. Oh, maybe I'll have to give them a follow on Instagram. Yeah. Because no, I've yeah, only just, like, cool I know stuff. Blumhouse and A24, and that's about it. Oh, I love A24. They <laughs> do no wrong as well. I want to go see Minari this weekend. Oh, so good. <laughs> I can't say anything, but yeah, uh, uh, I'm not gonna say anything. But it's a fun watch. It's yeah, a very it looks so wholesome. But as for sounds, or I guess it's composer. Oh yeah, the Newton Brothers. The Newton Brothers did like oh, a lot of stuff. So they did Doctor Sleep. They did The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, uh, yeah, that... they're part of like Bye Bye Man. Looks like they've done a lot of horror movies. Yeah, but, yeah these guys are great. Wow, interesting. Haunting of Hell House. Yeah. Yeah. Love that show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he and the bit that I love after this intense scream from this bathtub lady, does she, she doesn't actually have a name, does she? She's just the woman in 237. No. Exactly. Even in The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's not very personalized or anything like that. Um, Danny no. returns to the couch and he actually starts speaking with his mother again, which I thought was really nice. That was a nice wrap up to that era of time for everybody. Uh, so fast forward exactly. to the future, we meet Dan, who's played by Ewan McGregor, one of my favourite actors Ooh. because of obvious reasons. <laughs> if you're a Star Wars fan, you all know why. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so he uh, is living in New Jersey at the time and in the throes of alcoholism. Um, so he wakes up, he's in a girl's bedroom, a woman's house he that he hooked up with the night before. So we're kind of seeing flashes between uh, the night before and him absolutely throwing his guts up. Yuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, I have a vomit crazy night. So, like, hearing it, oh, at least no. I didn't have to see the vomit. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. If I can just hear it, that's okay. <laughs> Oh. Damn, yeah no it, it's disgusting to look at yeah yeah it's not the best but it's I'm, like we realize how bad he really is later in the film and you kind of see such a great character arc with dan and i think i really love how it's portrayed through oh, for this sure film. and i'm really hoping that it's the same in the yeah, book yeah I don't know. I, I can't wait to read the book because I'm sure they're going <laughs> to go into more of the character's details. But this yeah. is a great character in, introduction to him as well of where he's at in life. 
yeah. and you can tell that this is a very disturbed person yeah. that doesn't have a lot of good morals as well and he obviously has a great like what you said a character arc and it progresses into a more positive manner by the end of the film yeah and I think Stephen King does a really fantastic job of presenting us with these flawed protagonists because we're just so hoping that they get better and that they're a better person by the end of our experience and our journey with them. And so you're just so attached to these characters and then Stephen King just does the most fucked up things and breaks your heart. So every time. I love it. Every time. Oh. So, um, um, yeah. And, he, and you kind of see how much of an asshole he really is. So he um, is stealing oh, sure. from the woman and, like, Dick shows up and is, like, saying, you know, do you really want to do this? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, right, it's like his guardian angel. Not, yeah, it's like his good conscience because conscious, he obviously doesn't have right. one at all. No moral compass at this point. And, um, you know, there's Not a child point, that's yeah. crying. And at least he, like, had the... He put the baby in with the baby's mum. Right. But uh, she and... comes back later. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, she died, essentially. Yeah. In that and moment. So the baby. And he left the kid there alone. Yeah, and because he left the kid alone, and because he didn't take responsibility for... That entire scene, we see the after effects later on, and it's yeah. very dark. It's a very heavy subject yeah. matter, and it's it's done so well because it like scared uh, scared me to like oh yeah me too <laughs> different levels. I can't even explain it. It's like it scared me to uh, uh you know that that reach point of scariness. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I get no, it. Yeah, yeah it's uh, terrifying. Because the thing is. Everyone's like, oh, Doctor Sleep isn't a scary movie. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? There is a cult hunting down children to suck out their souls. Yeah. It's you tell that to someone that. now, it's like, hey, imagine if that happened in real life. Are you scared now? Well, yeah, that's exactly. what this movie portrays. That's exactly, exactly what the movie portrays. <laughs> so, yes, it is a scary movie. Yes, be scared because it is freaking scary. Um, so, at this point we're kind of meeting all different people so we've met rose we've met uh dan as an adult and this is where we meet andy who um is at the movies with an older man who she's basically entrapped and like can like coerced into a date at the cinemas but she's actually a teenager and um right yeah so she uh, has the ability to manipulate people so she tells this guy to go to sleep and then she um does she cut his face with her fingernail i know she gives him like snake bites on his neck but i can't remember if she cuts right. his face or not she has like a little she has a little tool like a little knife that she yeah. takes out yeah and she's saying things like oh you know all you're gonna ever be known for is a guy who likes little girls and i was like Ooh. right like every time you look at yourself in the mirror you will see the scars and it'll always remind you and you have to say you like little girls and to be honest it's like as a person watching this and my moral compass i was like you know what good for you you should be yeah. doing that to these creeps these assholes uh because they deserve it if not worse because they're terrible yeah. human beings so they kind of put her in the light as a little bit of a protagonist in my eyes. But at the same yeah. time, we see her as a very evil little person too. And I'm like, whoa, like you're an super badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that scene that she says later on, it's like, 
man, I will always remember that's like, wow, you are straight up a villain and I love you for it. And it's crazy, but she's also a great actress in this too. Oh, oh I just yeah. can't, I just could write an entire essay about how amazing the cast choice and the characterization of every single person in this film. Exactly. Every person, everyone's pretty every single person. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has these, inc- oh, it just, how can you do that in a two hour movie? How, how? Genius. My <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rose and Crow Daddy. So Crow Daddy is kind of Rose's uh, right-hand man. Um, who's right. played by quite a famous actor because I've seen him in heaps of things. Um, and so they're watching Andy in the cinema and basically they stalk her out to the parking lot and Andy tells Crow, you know, you don't want to follow me anymore. And he, he is being like able to be manipulated whereas Rose can't be because I think they have similar powers in that sense or that Rose is just very incredibly right. powerful um and so they're basically like you'll you'll fit in just right with us and they give her the nickname snake by Andy um which is really cool great name great name. yeah that's a sick nickname because <laughs> they're like this Super ragtag cool. group of people individuals so each one is kind of, I think each one of them also have the shining in one way or another. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, yeah, they all have different abilities. It's kind of, it's really weird because I'm a big like Marvel fan. I love the MCU. And yeah. someone said something really cool when I was watching this movie. It's like, oh yeah, Doctor Sleep is the best X-Men movie ever. I'm like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and I was like, you know what? Yes. It kind of makes sense in a way. I was like, they all kind of have superpowers in their own way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, each character in this, and they have all cool names and stuff like that. I, I love this. The Knot is a very scary group, but at the same time, they're pretty fleshed out. Yeah. It's just, uh, this is why I can't wait to read the book and just read Everything. more about them. Yeah. Know, and just learn little things, like nuance that they couldn't put in the film. Yeah, I so want to learn about their history, because they talk yeah. about like, oh, like, almost like the Roman empire. You've seen like empires fall and rise and yeah. cross into new lands. I'm like, I want that story. I want to learn more about that. That's cool. Give me a prequel to this. Just yeah. about true not. That's it. Just give me that. I'd be <laughs> stoked. <laughs> uh, so we meet Abra at this stage, who is a, mm. an adorable five-year-old at her fifth birthday party. And she has a magician who's, you know, um, what are some magic words? And she says, abracadabra. And I was like, you are so cute. I want to hug you. <laughs> but I love hug how she's like, all. hey, hey, mister, I can do that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, cool, sweetie. And I'm like, no, you do not brush right. off a five-year-old. That's rude. I didn't like the magician. Especially at her own birthday. I know. How That's rude. hella rude. Yeah, it's her own birthday. Like, who hired who? Come on. like, it, Yeah, who's paying your wages right now? This five-year-old yeah. is. Yeah. Be cool. Uh, and I love that when her parents, Dave and Lucy, go into the kitchen and they look at the floor and it's just forks and knives on the floor. Because <laughs> I so was like, cool. hey. <laughs> and there's obviously all spoons. All the spoons are floating up on the ceiling. And they look towards um, Abra and she just says, Abracadabra. And I was like, this is the coolest scene to tell us <laughs> that Abra has powers. That's so cool. 
it's yeah it's done so so well so magically i would have to say yeah and i i love the fact that her name is abra because she yeah. is a very like that that fits her perfectly yeah it feels very uh purposeful that king chose that name for her right and the um what i did learn that when um prince was talking in horror session is that um abra wasn't written as a black character i don't think she was written as any character in particular like any right. like like um but the fact that they chose to cast a black actress for this is just beautiful i yeah. loved it i mean yeah yes 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 i'm and, all 100 about it and honestly her being in that role too she probably had so much to like wait to carry with that and she yeah. completely smashes it yeah she, oh yeah that's why i really want her to lead in more roles i can't wait to see her future uh because yeah. there needs to be more of that there needs to be more yeah. representation in general and having her as someone so young being in that type of role and carrying that weight i feel like she does such a great job with it yeah i really and... love that stephen king kind of wrote Abra's role as open to interpretation so yeah. any young girl who reads that could potentially see themselves as that character and that Mike Flanagan interpreted it as hey I think this is a black actress's role right I think that um that this should belong in this like I don't even know story what the word is. yeah yeah yes, absolutely yeah and like and... obviously me being white <laughs> I don't know how that feels because I see myself in a lot. For sure. And me too. Like I'm don't, I'm like Latinx, I guess, but yeah. I still see myself as majority white because I perceive and look white as well. So I can't even imagine the impact that this would have. Yeah. I know there is a big impact. And I think Mike Flanagan, uh, Flanagan does a good job at this yeah. too with other subjects with like the LGBTQ community with Bly Manor. Because yeah. <laughs> that was a big thing too, and that's in the forefront. He doesn't hide that stuff. He's like, no, no yeah, these two are in love with Honest. each other, and that's it. Wait. This is a love story. End, end Take story. it or leave it. Oh. That's it. Yeah, and I love that. It's like cool. Yeah, unapologetically, he's like, no, this is it. Done. Too bad. Yeah, and it's not forced like or a... anything. He's not trying to yeah. say a narrative. It's like, no, this is the story I want to be telling, and this is how it is, and that's it. You yeah. you'll either like it, or if you don't like it, you don't belong in this. Get out. And that's I love fun. That. If you if you hate it, then you're there's something wrong with you. <laughs> exactly. So I, I appreciate yeah. Mike Flanagan doing this kind of stuff, and it needs to be done more. Yeah, I've been trying to learn more about representation because um, yeah. uh, it's obviously very impactful in North American filmmaking, and right. you know Australia's slowly catching up to for me to be educated and understanding the impact that it does have on individuals in minorities. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to watch more, uh, you know, like black directed films and more. I'm trying to find like in like Native American films to watch. So that's been a little bit more nice, difficult. Yeah. So just so I can understand different perspectives, because like in Australia, we have our own indigenous people and there was an anthology yeah. done a horror anthology done written by young indigenous Australians. And I was like, I need to find that. And I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> That's so dope. I love that. Yeah. That's and really so cool. Been, Let me know if you do find it, if it's available yes. over here. Yeah. It's meant to be really cool. And the really cool thing about a lot of indigenous um, storytelling is that they can put a horror twist on it. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. 
Like, I like, love that. Yeah. So Dan, trying to escape his drinking problems, arrives in Fraser in New Hampshire. Now, Abra also lives in New Hampshire, and I don't really know how big New Hampshire is, so I don't know how far away they are from one another at this point. Um, so he makes friends with Billy Freeman's, and Billy does some really cool stuff for Dan and helps him find, you know, somewhere to live. He vouches for him, which is really cool. Oh, excuse yeah. me. What a great so, friend. Yeah, I really like Billy. He's cool. Yeah, he's a really good character in this too. And, ah, uh, man, heartbreaking the first time I watched this. Oh, yeah, I know. And so um, I really enjoy it because um, he, we've seen Dan feel so isolated from everybody because of what's happened to him at the Overlook that he's kind of hasn't let anybody in. Like we've seen the alcoholism, the fact that he just so freely sleeps with whoever. Um, and yeah, to have him let Billy in says something about Dan's character progression already, where he's just like, I'm a stranger. Why would you vouch for me? And he's like, right. because like, it's one of those things child. he's finally, yeah, he's finally able to reach out and have some help in his life. Yeah. It's really cool. He's actually and being able to accept that. Yeah. It's really nice. I just want to hug Dan. All right, I'm getting weird with the hugs. It's COVID. I'm not allowed to hug anyone. Um, <laughs> air hugs. So, air hugs. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, so later that night, the True Knot ha- are having a ceremony down on the beach uh, for Andy, bringing her into their group. And um, she brings out this silver canister that contains the shine of violet, uh, which is meant to be pretty powerful steam. So Rose feeds violet. Uh, the shine while grandpa flick leads a uh, a chant in another language but also in english so i'm not too sure what language it is obviously grandpa flick is really freaking old he looks like a vampire from like the 1600s <laughs> right and, and this dude uh the, i forget the actor's name he's in a lot of stuff with mike flanagan yeah. too uh, mostly in uh, Gerald's game, too. He yes. plays that really creepy character. He plays such a great monsterish type of person. And he's probably the sweetest guy. I bet he's, like, the nicest person. But he plays oh. his character so well. And it's like, man, you are a scary person. That <laughs> I bet you in real life would probably be best friends. Yeah. He's probably a real big sweetie pie. Oh, I'm sure. He's the one probably giving <laughs> the hugs to Mike Flanagan every day. Uh, so we see Andy scream um, as she's absorbing the shine and the group are all holding her down, basically. Suck it all in. Do it. Um, so we kind of get a gist of what the True Knot's about in this scene. Like, we do see that real cultish behaviour, um, that whole dynamic between all of them and, yeah, that they are very powerful but by the looks of it. So, right. Ugh. Yikes. They're very communal, too. They work together a lot, and you can see how close they are with each other. Yeah, well, they work together, they live together. It's all one big happy family. <laughs> yeah, I think you said, too, like, it's it's definitely, like, a cult-like Yeah, like, I don't think there's any uh, other way family. to describe it, really. So this is the scene that we were talking about, how the woman does come back to haunt Dan. So Dan's having nightmares and he wakes up to see a fly in his room. 
and it's like buzzing around so it wakes him up and he looks down to see an arm draped over him and he slowly creeps out of bed and I think he like falls out of bed because the woman startles him and she's talking about how um uh like something about how they didn't check because they're used to hearing him cry because I leave him alone all the time and I was like Something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. no one discovered their bodies yet, which is yeah. sad. And, also, and oh. it's one of those things, like, yeah, we are shitty human beings. We don't really connect with our neighbors or people around us. It's like, if you get left alone in a room, is anyone really going to go find you? Until, yeah, like, exactly. maybe something smells or something like that, then they'll complain, and then that's how they find their bodies. But realizing yeah. that it's been such a long time that they haven't found it, or found them that yeah. the baby dies as well. That's super sad. Yeah, because we also That's see crazy. the dead baby. And I was like, oh, no dead babies, please. Oh, and it's so creepy looking too. It, yeah. I don't know if you've, because there's a video game that came out that Guillermo del Toro was supposed to be a part of, which was part of Silent Hills. I don't know. It's called PT. Oh, yeah. Playable trailer. This yeah, gave me <laughs> crazy PT yeah. vibes. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I wish they like, play oh. that trailer like over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I would. I, w- I wish they made it. It's all right though. I know, I know. And they keep talking about how it's going to happen, and I'm just like, don't play with my heart like this. <sighs> it's probably not, but I, I'm going to tell myself that until it actually does come out, so it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Just and if it doesn't, not I'm not disappointed. Yeah, no, it's just not happening. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, everyone. It's all Kojima's fault. Um, <laughs> I just blame him. <laughs> uh, so Dan eventually does go and ask Billy for help, and he gets taken to an AA meeting, which is really cool because that also is Dan accepting that he does need help and that he can no longer drink as a coping mechanism. And we even start to see him physically changing as well, which is just freaking awesome. Um, yeah. And he meets Dr. John Dalton there because he's talking to him about a kid who I think passed away and he's like telling the doctor he's okay. And the doctor's like, how do you know this stuff? And he's like, oh, it's just a guess. No, that's not how it happens. That's really cool. And um, so he goes and gets a job at the local nursing home Um, Because that's what Dan has done for most of his life is help um, people in care homes and nursing facilities and whatnot. And so he usually just works at night. And so one night when he's mopping the floors, he notices a nursing home cat going into the room of one of the patients. So the man in the room knows that Azzy, who is the cat, only goes into the rooms of people who are going to die. So he is pretty terrified, you know, because he knows he's next because Azzy's like, hey, that's coming for you. Yeah, it's like, oh, the cat's here. Gotcha. I know oh, what that means. Great. Yeah, that's me. So, in, in somewhat, in some way, this cat kind of has a shine as well. In a way. Yeah, yeah, that's in pretty a, cool. I, I didn't like, know animals would cool. have the shine, but I was like, that cat definitely has right. a shine. Um, so Dan actually goes in and speaks to him telepathically, which kind of helps the guy relax, the old man, and he nicknames him uh, Doctor Sleep, which I thought was really nice. Because he helps yeah. people to the other side. And I was like, oh, that's really that's wholesome in a way. <laughs> morbid. <laughs> Very morbid. But yeah, that's also a great name, I guess. 
And we so, get our uh, superhero name, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. The X-Men name. <laughs> the X-Men name. So Dan returns home and he finds hello written on his wall. And so uh, he just replies back saying hi. And I was just like, that's really cool. <laughs> so this is 2013. Right? Not scary so, at all. <laughs> but I think it's because we're like, oh, Dan has The Shining. Like, it's it's something to do with that. Maybe it's a right. spirit talking to him or something happening. We don't know. Uh, so we fast forward to present day 2019 and Dan has been sober since 2013 at this point, which I was just like, yes, this is an awesome recovery story. I love it. Um, he's totally fine. And the really cool thing is that he starts to open up about his past at the AA meetings. And he's talking about how he never really knew his father. And the only way he felt close to him was when he was drunk. And that character development where I'm just like, mm. own it. Own that shit, Dan. It's cool to do that. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. Right. <laughs> That's a great thing for like the viewers too. We get an inside scoop of his like mentality and how he feels about growing up with his dad and what led yeah. him to be where he was at and then what led him to be better and continue that on and honor that moment with himself and with his father because he shares that moment. Yeah. It's like, this is for him and me. It's like, That's awesome. That's a great speech. Yeah, it's really, and that shows his development too, which I thought it's really important to know that he is sober because as he's communicating with Abra, because we find out that right. it's Abra that he's been talking to, um, we know that it's not because of anything else that's going on. He's very, he's, you know, he's sober. He Nothing's, um, uh, what's the word, like clouding his judgment on things. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're so saying. So there's no like, yeah, yeah there's no like, oh, is he drunk and that's why he thinks this is happening? Right, exactly. He has a clear mind. He's not yeah. like, misjudging something, like you said. There's no misjudgment. You're right. Yeah. And so we meet Abra as well because we see her writing on the wall to Dan. And, and that was just um, like them two communicating with one another is just a really awesome aspect of the narrative because when they finally right. meet, we're just like, yes, <laughs> they know each other are real now. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a walkie talkie, but through the chalkboard and it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. Um, so we see the true knot again and we find that they've been starving basically because uh, they live off people's shine and they're living off shine that has less power than all the other shines that they've had. I don't know why they just wouldn't alternate. So for survival, That's true. you know? Yeah, I don't know why. It's all about <laughs> community, right? We take turns and we start doing stuff like that. <laughs> um, so they track down... Well they, Crow Daddy is a tracker that I think is... It's not necessarily, they don't say that it's his shine or anything, but he's just able to do that. I'm not too sure. Right. I think they, it is a little bit about his shine because yeah. he can like tell that they have powers too. It's like, he's the yeah. scouter. He's like, I can tell that this person has to shine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, he must have something to be able to find them. And right. so they he's like, track he's down. that guy. He is, <laughs> he's the guy. Uh, they find a boy named Bradley Trevor whose shine helps him play Ugh. baseball. I don't know how, but I was just like, that's cool that he has, like, yeah. makes him athletic. Because um, 
Yeah. I didn't realize that there was all these different types of shine. And you see that in this yeah. movie. I think Just... that's pretty excellent because we get like diversity between that too. And his shine is very interesting because it's used in the very organic genuine way a kid would use that shine he's like yeah. oh cool i want to be good at sports if i can guess where the pitch is going i can always hit the ball and be really good at it and that's how i'm going to use it it's very uh yeah i don't know it's not childlike but it's very innocent, innocent. there yeah. we go yeah it's innocent because he's just like oh hell yeah i just want to be really good at baseball and that's what i want to do right now right there's no sinister like aspects to it the same with abra when she was a child it was very innocent and very um yeah, I could do Just a magic trick. Yeah. yeah, she's like, I magic too. Uh, so, the, ugh, I hate this. This is the scene that really fucked me up. Um, oh, just because of yeah. this is... the brutality of it, the absolute, it was disturbing and sinister and horrible. And I know that Stephen King does do this in his books. You know, he writes these really disturbing scenes where you're just going to go, I want to put this book down because I don't want to read this anymore. Um, and so a hundred percent Stephen King yeah. <laughs> has like a hatred towards kids. I don't know why, but he like he really has hates kids, kids. some messed up ways. Yeah. Salem's like, law. Okay. Um, it, needful things like kids get <laughs> thrown under the bus in these books. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Probably in some scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? yeah no, actually. Yeah. Uh, was it? Why am I blanking on that name? They just remade it, where the girl gets hit by the truck. Oh, Pet Cemetery. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah, because the kid gets hit in the original. Does yeah, walks out in front of the. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, he really hates kids. <laughs> um, Poor kids. Yeah. So the true knot follow Bradley home, and Andy uses her shine to get him into the van. Um, they take him to a secluded spot, which is like an abandoned mine area. And they brutally murder oh, yeah. him while eating his steam as he screams. And it's just really intense watching a group of adults kill a child. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. With, like, no remorse at all. And that's something that Rebecca Ferguson does such a great job, and it's haunting to see her do that. There's no, like, hesitation. There's no anything. Yeah. She just goes for it. The kid even asks, like, are you going to hurt me? And she's like, yes. Yeah. And that line oh, hits, and it's that. so, so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those scenes where I was like, I get why it's here because they want to show how ruthless this cult is, and that they're going to stop at nothing to get what they want. It's right. just very hard to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. it, like I said, the director's cut even like makes this scene a lot longer than it needs to be. Oh. And. I, I do say like this scene does have to be in this film because it shows how terrible these people are and how bad the yeah. not really is. But I was if, like, okay, mm, the director's cut's going too long. I can't really stand this. <laughs> I'm gonna skip through this bit because right. like, I don't want to watch anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it's um, and being in you know, I'm the eldest of six kids, and I have two nieces, and I'm just like, no, this is really hard to watch for me. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, and. The nice thing about this scene, though, we do get to see Abra's abilities a little bit more and it introduces yeah. how strong she is and the potential that she can get even stronger because yeah. she's able to look at this thing happening, too. Yeah, and I'm assuming that um, 
Bradley and the True Knot are close by to where Abra is because she can sense this murder and this pain that Bradley is in. And she's able to watch from her house, like um, something she, like a astral projection almost. But um, right. the True Knot can't see her, but Rose can sense her. Can sense her yeah. being there. I feel like she refers to her as the looker. Right. It's, uh, they talk a lot about Abra's abilities and how she mm. seems to have like more than just one. Yeah. And I feel like Abra is one of those people that have a shine so bright and so maybe innocent, if we're talking about that, uh, that she has probably the most powerful powers that anyone has inside this yeah. world. Or that's how it feels like it. Yeah, and it definitely is set up like that in this film because she does so many different things where you're like, well, what is her power? And then you're just like, oh, wait a second. She has heaps of powers. She's not just, you know, like Danny where he can see dead people kind of thing. Right. It's so cool. I I love it. She can see dead people, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 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 she she has like every power a shine can give. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, So... While this happens, Abra tries to, um, she's communicating with Danny because she's just like, oh my God. And this is where we see Red Rum come up on Danny's uh, chalkboard. And it's just like, oh yes, thank you. And nod to the shining. I love this. Um, Right. And and he asks who, and she replies with baseball boy. So um, Abra does all this research the next day at school to find out who had gone missing and she finds out that it's uh, Bradley because he's disappeared and she's been able to find an article about him. But we also see that she can hear the thoughts of all her schoolmates and they're all calling her crazy and all she's weird. And I was like, that's so mean because she looks like she would be one of the cool kids, but she's so isolated from everyone. And that goes to show how the shine kind of isolates people from everybody because they kind of maybe alienate themselves so they don't get close to people. Exactly. She definitely does feel like she feels like her herself is different than everyone else. And Mm. I love that we get that perspective as the viewer, because they could just tell us that she can read thoughts, but we hear what the kids are saying through her perspective. It's like, Oh no, that weird kid is looking at me. And you just look at her like face and how her face changes to like being sad. And she kind of just turns it off. It just goes back to like researching and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a very important moment for the character for us to learn about, to see where she's at in her life. Where yeah. it's like, you know what? It doesn't really bother me, but I can start like doing my own thing. It's like, yeah, good for exactly. her. She's very independent. Yeah. And I, you know what? She doesn't need nobody. She, she's yeah. fine on her own. She can handle she's her cool. shit. She's a badass. She's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this is also where. Abra starts to have visions of the true knot. And um, I love this scene because she's just she's just standing at her window and she's oh, levitating. So good. And oh I was like, God. oh, I love this. This is beautiful filmmaking. The way that they yeah. shot this and the way they designed oh. it and have this in the movie. It's one of those things. Because the whole house turns, doesn't it? Right. And she's yeah. The whole entire room just like- starts tilting. And the sound mixing to this is so cool too. It just goes silent and just, and it just oh, moves, and uh, it's so good. Yeah, I love when there's absence of sound. Yeah, because I'm just like I'm on an edge where I'm like, 
are you going to scare me with something that I don't want to hear? Or <laughs> Yeah, and it's one of those things, too. It, it feels like you're holding on with her when you, like, have that, like, silence happen. And then, like, the room tilts and she's holding on and she's about to fall. And the camera's yeah. looking down at her. So it feels like there's a little bit of vertigo between you and the viewer as well. Or you as the viewer as well. And it's, I don't know, I have to say, it's just, it's beautiful to look at. The cinematography yeah. in this movie in general is great. And then the rest of the oh. scene continues to be great too, which we'll talk about. Yeah, because Abra gets into Rose's head and yeah. Rose can sense her in there. And they're kind of having like a, like a push battle kind of thing because Rose is trying to get like into Abra's head and Abra just absolutely lets out this Oh, I don't know, like, she pushes Rose out of her head kind of thing. And right. Rose flies across, like, right down the aisle into, like, a um, like a milk fridge. And I was like, whoa, that is so cool. It honestly just shows how powerful she is, too. She's, oh, man, super talented. And, yeah. and the fact, like, that she's not even there and she's able to do that and push her so far twice and then, like, break the entire refrigerator. Yeah. Oh. Man, it's what you can do in person. Exactly. So, um, and this is where Rose is like, we've got to find her and destroy her because she is too powerful. And right. I kind of see this as Rose also being really, like, not selfish, but like, I also want her shine while we're at it. It's not about that she's too powerful. It's that Rose knows that if they get her shine, that they won't be starving anymore. Right. Now, I feel like, uh, at least for Rose to Hat, I feel like she is threatened by her, and like she may be as powerful, if not more powerful than me, and I'm not okay with that. Yeah, I feel like absolutely. she has some uh, insecurities about that too, and it's like, no, I don't want her being part of this group. I want to devour her. She yeah. can exist in the same world I do. That's yeah, so scary. Absolutely. It's creepy, huh? <laughs> oh, super creepy. Um, so Abra goes to visit Dan after this happens and basically says, I can track him if we get something like that I can touch and feel and and we'll be able to find him. But Dan is basically saying, no, 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 no. Like, I don't, the shine is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not doing this. And he um, he says, you know, the world's a hungry place, a dark place. I've only met two or three people like us. They died. When I was a kid, I bumped into these things. I don't know about magic. I always called it The Shining. And then he admits that um, he also thought that Tony was his imaginary friend. And Avra's like, oh, well, I thought you were my imaginary friend, Uncle Dan. <laughs> like, and I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> She's it's just a very so nice, wonderful. It's a nice scene. Yeah. And... Yeah, um, she, she... I have to say, like, her as a character, she's one of those people who is very, like, nice and very outgoing, very amazing type of person. And when you get in her way, though, she's still that badass person as well. And I love that contrast between her. Because I think the nice thing about the shine, I feel like it shines brighter in the people who are more innocent. Because I know yeah. they even touch upon it later on in the movie where it's like, oh, yeah. I know that a lot of people have a shine, but they kind of like dimmed over time and they grow up and they got older and they kind of lose it. And I feel like that has to do yeah. with the innocence of people. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that. 
it's sad, but I like how they yeah. kind of develop that concept of Absolutely. if you don't like stay a good person, your shine's gonna leave you. Like, exactly. You stop shining. Right. You're not like happy or you're just going by life rather than really quote unquote shining in life yeah. and staying in the light. I feel like I'm there now. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the next night at work, uh, Dan follows Azzy into an empty room where he sees the spirit of Dick. So Dick basically warns Dan about the true knot and their, um, ability to be really sinister and that they're collecting children's shine and that he needs to stop them and protect Abra from, um, from the true knot because they share a connection. Um, Dick also tells Dan that this is the last time he'll ever see him again. Yeah. I'm so sad. So sad. Someone needs a hug. No. Don't touch me. <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> I'm so angry that Dick's never coming back again. Right. Um, but it's just a really nice scene between Dan and Dick as well. Like he's I been think so. Dan's mentor through this whole thing and he's like, Dan, it's now your turn to be a mentor. Right. And and that's the thing. He'll live on through Dan, no matter what. Yeah. And oh, he basically so nice. becomes like that figure to her, and it keeps going on and on after the movie ends too. Presumably, I mean, yeah. we don't know, but yeah, I like to think so. I think so too. <laughs> so Rose is meditating on top of her RV, which is done up like a hippie bus, um, and she finds her way into Abra's head whilst Abra is sleeping. But little does she know that Abra has set a trap. So as she's rifling through all these cabinets that, you know, Abra has built in her head, one of them absolutely slams shut on her hand. And, oh, I love this scene because I just thought it was so brutal. Oh, my God. So This whole sequence Rose, is fantastic. It's so good. Um, so, and I love that Abra is asleep doing this. So this also, like, is a testament to how powerful Abra is. That she has set up a defense while oh, yeah. she's sleeping. Um, and so as Rose she, goes to oh, so cool. get her hand out, ugh, she basically degloves herself. Yeah, what is up yeah. with that with Mike Flanagan too, showing this kind of stuff? <laughs> it's it's crazy to look at because obviously that was one of the hardest scenes I've ever watched in Gerald's game. And I got to see a glimpse of that again in this movie. And it's so like hardcore and you see it all and you're like, no, I don't want to see it. But at the same time, it's like, that's really crazy. But also I want to see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Rose basically moves back into her physical body because of what has happened to her and realizes that um, basically the hand injury has come with her. And right. moved from this, um, like, uh, psychological injury into an actual physical injury, which is really amazing that Abra... Crazy like, to think Abra about. Is, yeah, crazy powerful. Uh, yeah. That, oh. yeah. She gets thrown off that RV hard, too. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. When, as soon as, like, she, she hits her body again and she's like, off, see ya. Falls and... And like a, again, I have to give great props to the sound design because you hear her smash that ground hard, and it's like, oh wow, like she's not going to be happy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my my body hurt hearing that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So Crow lets Rose know that Grandpa 
uh, flick is cycling. So cycling is when um, one of the True Knot members is starting to basically die. And um, he's on a, like, a fold-out lounge chair kind of thing and he's convulsing. He eventually decays and starts to wither away and the cults start to absorb his shine. Now, one thing I've wondered is, is this, would this be bad for them the same way that it's bad for vampires to drink other vampires' blood? Um, I guess in this world it's not. It seems like... So I don't know what happens to them after they die as well. Do they kind of like yeah. live on within their steam to other people? Or yeah. is that the end of things as well? And that's a big question about this whole movie too. Like what happens after we die? And yeah. there's no definitive answer, but Danny does say like you do live on. I can say at yeah. least that much. And well, he knows. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, of course. He's definitely had his run-in <laughs> to the other <laughs> side several times in his life uh, way but, too often <laughs> yeah it, it's crazy at least i remember the first time watching this i was like oh my god this is a crazy design of seeing how someone's about to die because you kind of see the person and it kind of like pulses and then you see them like in skeleton form and then he just bursts into steam and they mm. all jump on it and just start inhaling and i was like these guys are crazy these are scary individuals and they're like animals I have to say, too. Yeah, it's very animalistic. 100%. That's probably the best word for it. And I do like the design of the glowing eyes they get when they do inhale the steam, too. It's so creepy yeah. looking. It's such a great design. Oh, yeah. And I, I've had conversations with Prince from uh, the podcast, too, several times. Like, that's his main thing. He loves any movie that has, like, glowing eyes. I was like... <laughs> heard him say that on another oh, yeah. podcast no, i'm sure you like glowing eyes yeah what? if you guys listen to our content you've probably heard it at least four or five times and yeah it's i think you were talking about blind it works oh, i'm sure and the glowing eyes and i was like oh that's my least favorite part of blind man because i'm like nope glowing eyes i'm out <laughs> and i i guess mike flanagan does like glowing eyes and a lot of his stuff yeah. too so yeah it's cool it's just his thing now. He's like, everyone's glowing eyes. Everyone, right. You're all getting glowing eyes. <laughs> it's like, when he's casting his members, it's like, how are you with glowing eyes? Yeah, that fits. You're, you're hired. Yeah, I know you're it. good. Is it CGI or do I need to wear light globes in my eyeballs? It's like, you'll find out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry. As long as you're cool with it, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, I think this is the scene that I really love because, um, well, before the scene that I really love, sorry. So Abra <laughs> finds Dan and is like, okay, I know where Bradley is. And right. um, they basically are able to locate. She said, if you take me to where his body is, his glove is there and I can locate where the cult are and track them. And um, so they go and they, they dig up his body, Dan, Billy and Abra together. And yeah, it's just a really another disturbing scene when they find his body yeah it's always hard because it's especially hard because it's a child yeah and yeah no one wants to see that but it's something that had to be done and, and it has that impact in this movie that is kind of necessary for the storytelling yeah but yeah it's a, it's a, t it's a tough scene to watch especially yeah. knowing how he died too Oh yeah, that bit's probably the worst. And then knowing that like his insides were basically sucked out of him. 
Right. And I have to give props to uh, that kid actor, too. Uh, I have his name right here, Jacob Tremblay. He's going to be also a great kid actor who's going to grow up into a lot of stuff, too. Because he yeah. did such, he's done great movies, too. He did Room with uh, Brie Larson. And <laughs> yeah. that kid has chops for sure. Yeah. And of course, he's a great comedic actor as well as he just was in a 2019's The Good Boys. I don't know if you saw that. It's very I've funny. It. Yeah, it's very um, not. Oh my god, what's the the movie with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone? Oh my god, that's it's okay. I'll pass that. If it comes back to me, I'll bring it up. <laughs> oh, super bad, super bad. It's oh, a super, super bad. bad. It's a super bad movie from 2019, essentially. Okay, that sounds interesting. I might have to check it out. Yeah. So bright future for him. Good on him. Um. This is where I love that Abra basically takes Dan to her house. And she's like, hey, Dad, this is Uncle Dan. And her dad's like, what? <laughs> Who is this grown-ass like, man this in my house? Man. What do you mean, exactly. Uncle Dan? He's said it before, too. Yeah. He's like, yo, uh, people are not going to really like us sitting on the like bench together, let alone now me going to your house and your dad seeing this grown man looking yeah. at me. Tony and yeah, was fair enough. Dan as what Dan is to Abra. Like if Tony was yeah. a physical person. That's true. Yeah. Or just his, you know, yeah. just like, like who are you? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But they actually get Dave on board, which is pretty cool. So he's sold. He's like, okay, you've got magical powers. All right. Because she basically shows her dad what she can do. Uh, which I think is right. a really special moment between her and her dad um, because of what does happen to his dad. Yeah, and, so. it's, and it shows another ability of hers too. She is like, she has a basket of goods that she keeps on throwing out. Absolutely. She's just unpredictable at this point, which is really cool. Um, so they basically track the cult and find out that the cult is coming to them. So it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's use this to our advantage. Um, Dan and Billy basically bait the cult into the woods. And Abra is projecting from her kitchen. So they think that Abra's in the woods, but it's actually not her. It's her projection. She's doing a... Uh, who was it that did the... Um, uh, the Tupac projection at the music festival? Was that, it was a two-pack? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Tupac Shakur. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great scene. This is such a great reveal of how powerful she is. Because even, like, Dan's like, oh, yeah, uh, where are they? It's like, oh, they're right behind us. It's like, you have to hold on. And you're kind of like, as if you're like, hold on to what? What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, it's like, don't hold realize. on to the signal of where they're at and, like, seeing where they are, like, like location-wise. And then you get yeah. the reveal when the needle goes through. And then we see that it's just a stuffed animal and it's literally like a magician's trick. And I, I love that her name is Abra because she did an abracadabra. I'm out in my see own you. kitchen, not even out here. <laughs> Joke's on you. And it's such a Suckers. great reveal. Yeah. Uh, it's really clever. I, I, I really love this scene. Um, it is sad because there's a massive uh, shootout and everyone's, getting killed off by Dan and Billy. Don't know how Dan can shoot a gun all of a sudden. 
But, all right, <laughs> right. That's fine. Like he's been doing this for years. Uh, he's just been a hunter forever. But <laughs> uh, so you can see that as each member of the True Knot is being killed off, that Rose can feel their pain. Um, so you can really see how connected they all are as you know this commun- communal group. Right. Yeah, they share and, a very um, yeah strong connection between each other. Yeah. And they do care about one another. So it's like, even though they are the antagonists of the film, they you can see that they are close, they are caring, and they are very interconnected with one another. Right. And from context, we know that they've been together for a very long time. And obviously when one of them dies or anything happens to each other, there's that even more stronger connection of knowing that they've been together for that long. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a really sad scene where um, Billy <sighs> shoots Andy and with her dying, last dying breaths, she manages to manipulate Billy into uh, shooting himself in the head and killing Damn. himself, which is really, really sad. This was a very brutal scene for me watching the first time because I like Billy's character. He yeah. took took him in first off was a really good friend to him and kind of believed him when most people probably wouldn't believe his situation it's like i'm gonna go on this road trip to find this dead kid which obviously (laughs) is very morbid on its own and trust you that all of this is going on and he kind of got like i don't know i feel like his character got dirty like they did him dirty i mean yeah, it's just like one of those things. Like that didn't need to happen. Why did you have to kill him? <laughs> Why at the same time, that? that was that big impact moment as well of just hearing Snake by Andy saying, "Kill yourself," and you yeah, see I was it like, happen. No, no, you don't. Don't do that. Man, oh, it's don't. so brutal, and that just makes Snake by Andy that much more of a good character because she's that like ruthless as well. Yeah. Well, um, one thing that they don't discuss in the film is that Andy's character was, I believe, um, sexually abused by her father, and that's what's built her hatred of men, and that's why she does what she does, and she goes out to find men that are like her father for her to kill, and basically, or just to torment and say, you know, like she did in the cinema, like, you like little girls. Right. And rightfully so, because, yeah, those people are trash. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how she uses her shine for revenge, basically. Right. Um, so back at the house, Crow has uh, basically managed to break into the house. She He has killed Abra's dad, Dave, and has kidnapped Abra. So Dan and Abra are basically um, linked telekinetically is it telekinesis no that's when you can move things um but they're connected via their minds telepathically telepathically (laughs) yeah that's the one yeah yeah yeah. um, i had to think about it too i was like i really like this scene because um dan is able to possess abra i was like what so even dan's shine is developing throughout this film I was like, yes, and I wrote, with their powers combined, uh, but uh, they work together. To... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a Captain Planet moment for me. <laughs> um, it totally is. It's such a cool moment they share together. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's it really shows intimate how connected well. they are too as well oh for mm. sure yeah it definitely shows how great their relationship is between them two and yeah I, this is where i kind of go back to the, the whole innocence part of like him being sober and starting to become a more mentor um has like some like mentor mentor role in this entire yeah. movie now that he's becoming more powerful the more like bright and happier he's becoming aka his shine yeah. growing and becoming a little bit brighter as well yeah it's nice it's nice that he's developing and it's going like in a positive direction right. rather than what we could have experienced if he didn't get sober exactly yeah because when he wasn't sober, he was having nightmares and he was haunted by all of these people from the Overlook and uh, haunted by memories even and nightmares. And, yeah, it just seems like as he got sober and became a, well, a more innocent person that he's having different experiences like helping people across to the other side and um, connecting right. with Abra. It's really it's cool character development. I love um, it. And that's what I said yeah. earlier too. It's like Mike Flanagan does such a great job with his characters. And I just love to see their journey and how it plays out. And it's that's what this movie is really about. It's more about the characters and the actual story itself, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so while Dan possesses Abra, they work together and they cause Crow basically to crash into a tree. It ejects him through the windshield and is killed. So this is a PSA, everyone. Wear a freaking seatbelt. Always. Is it illegal Absolutely. for you to, to not wear seatbelts there? Do you get fined for not having a seatbelt on? You 100% do. Yeah. You, okay, I wasn't uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people still don't wear their seatbelts, which I don't know which why. I have noticed. I was like, which you can, you can lose your license here for not wearing a seatbelt. Oh, wow. Like, they should yeah. have that here. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, you definitely at least get fined if you don't have it. Hmm. So, yeah, good. Uh, Dan basically drives out, picks Abra up, and they drive off to the Overlook. Now, I can't remember, I didn't watch this ending part because um, what makes them decide they're going to the Overlook? They're going to lure Rose there, aren't they? Yes. So, That's pretty much what. He's got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan says that there's people there that are very hungry and very yeah. dangerous for people like us. And I feel like it's more dangerous for people like them as well. Uh, so yeah. it's mostly to get her there and maybe have the upper hand. Because he says that maybe them themselves, the two of them, are not powerful enough to take her on. But maybe at the yeah. Overlook, they can actually win. Yeah. It's a good idea. It's a good plan. Scary, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, the Overlook scares me just because because um, what I really like is that Stanley Kubrick really left an opening for this because I think the ending is different, obviously very different in The Shining, but the ending for Doctor right. Sleep must be different too if they end up at the Overlook. Correct. Uh, for The Shining, they do um, set the place on fire using... Yeah. The, I forgot what it was, but yeah, they go to the basement and cause it to go on fire. Yeah, which is what we will right. get to in this ending. Because <laughs> it's exactly. the same. Exactly. I love it. Um, yeah, I really love this ending. Uh, so this is, yeah, very towards the ending. So I like that Dan's exploring the hotel again. And oh, yes. that he's kind of, 
we see, you know, that this is where all his trauma and suffering started. And he's just like, I can be here and I think it's okay. I don't want to be here, but I have to be here. Good for him, because this place looks scary as hell. I would never no go thanks. in there, even if I didn't have no. any trauma in there. Uh, but again, I have to give a great shout out to the sound design, because every time you walk down the hallway and the lights kind of like turn on, you hear like the like the vibrations and the static of the lights turning on one by one. And it's very yeah. ominous and scary. And yeah, no, this has a great design. And it's a great homage to The Shining and great fan service. Yeah. For everyone to look oh, at yeah. this, I um I especially love the final like touches on room three two three seven where there's still the axe cut through the right. middle of the door. Beautiful, like, oh, fantastic! This brings you it. right back to the classic. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he walks into the bar and meets the bartender Lloyd, who is the same bartender that w- that served his dad. However, Lloyd just so happens to look exactly like his father. Um, but when pressed, he insists that he's just Lloyd the bartender. So Dan basically spills his guts about how he knew that his mother Wendy was dying um, because of the flies. And he, you know, he gets really in depth about what happens with the flies, like that they cover right. the person's face and they're just All everywhere. All of her face. Yeah. Oh. And you can hear, they. I think they play the sound of flies buzzing when he's talking about this. And I'm like, no, thanks. Yuck. Right. Ugh. Ugh. Things about flies and death. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Dan's really opening up about how he could always tell when someone was close to death. And um, what's really funny is that Lloyd cracks and starts to channel um, Jack. And, you know, he says things about... Um, uh, a man tries, he provides, uh, but he's surrounded by mouths that eat and scream and cry and nag. So he asks for one thing, just one thing for him to warm him up, to take the sting out of those days in the mouths, eating and eating and eating everything he makes, everything he has, a family, a wife, a kid, those mouths eat time. They eat your days on earth. And I was like, oh, that's really mean to say to your own wow. son. <laughs> right. It's like, you're an inconvenience rather than my child and my wife and my life. And it's kind of heartbreaking that he has to like turn into alcohol as a medicine, as what they say inside this movie. And it's one of the things that kind of play a big symbolic role throughout this movie as well of him going through all of his trauma and his past and his medicine was alcohol and drinking. And then he got past that and is able to live with it. Uh, as like the not, they're pretty much in an addiction as well of going out in the world and just eating up all the steam they can get and it's an addiction to them as well and there's substance abuse and we just see that as a major theme in this movie and it's just projected so well and it's not yeah. forced over the top of your head it's just in increments all over the place and it's really subtle messaging as well so that it can be interpreted at whatever level that the viewer is capable of interpreting right. it. And it's 100%. not like an obvious, like, hey, this is him dealing with with alcoholism. It's just fed right. to you in a way that you're seeing this person go from his absolute rock bottom to ultimate sacrifice for the people he cares about. 
which if he was drunk, I don't think he'd be that kind of person. Um, so while he is speaking with Lloyd, uh, Rose arrives at the Overlook. She's obviously tracked them down. And um, Dan and Abra team up and they lure Rose down into the hedge maze, which we all famously know from oh, Shining. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a little bit of a battle that goes on and Abra manages to cut Rose's leg but obviously Rose is way too powerful um, and gets away from them. So Abra takes off because there's this big battle scene between Dan and and Rose, which is just really friggin' cool because um, does she lift him up by his neck in the middle of this hedge maze? Uh, Yeah. She grabs Abra and picks her up. And, and while she's being picked up by, or as Abra is getting picked up by her, we see one of the the boxes come behind her, slowly creeping up and trying to like put her in it. And she realizes, yeah. like, oh, this is not your mind, is it? And she realizes yes. it's dance, and it's so good. Yeah, I love so this. close, um, so close. Oh, they had a really oh yeah, good no, plan. this was excellent. This is beautiful. And it's cool <laughs> to be in that maze too and see how it's designed and the battle between them two and you just see two amazing people go at it and you can see how strong Abra is and how independent she is and how she holds her own. And she's not scared. That's the beautiful thing. Abra is not afraid at all. She's like, let's go. Let's do it in my world now. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, And it's really cool how Dan and Abra are able to create this um, psychological space to lure Rose into. It's so cool. Um, yeah, so Abra actually gets away, and uh, Rose find she comes into contact with Dan and is infiltrating his mind. She's seeing the fear and trauma that's associated with the Overlook, um, and at the same time, she is like sucking out his shine too. Yeah, so he's in pain because you, she's taking this away from him, and I was like, "You let him go." <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> you leave him alone. Um, Rose notices all of the boxes sitting together in Dan's mind, and obviously, her being the addict that she is, thinks that this is a special place that Dan keeps all of his shine. Um, right. She even says, says "There's what, a what's in those." Yeah, and she says, um, "You like, taste like whiskey special? as huh? well." Oh, yeah. I think that's that's awesome to say because that's like a full 360 of like being someone that's abusive in substance. It's just, oh, yeah, you taste like good whiskey. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is all making sense. They're all addicts. Yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. Like, um, what's the word? Like a motif kind of thing or an ongoing theme across this entire film. Right. Uh, I love his response to her going to open the boxes is they're not special, they're starving. Um, So instead, he unlocks them and lets them loose. Uh, So the Grady twins, the bathtub lady, they all come out and uh, consume Rose's shine, which, you know, destroys her. Man, what a scene. So great. The whole party's there. Oh, it's so well done. (laughs) The whole party. (laughs) 
They're all there for a good time. Um, so after they're finished destroying Rose, they all start to turn on Dan and possess him. So this scene is so cool as he's like stalking his way through the Overlook to find Abra. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was intense. So I'm like father. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great callback to see where his father was. Uh, I was about to say, like, like father, like son, or something like that. That whole saying, because it's a uh, full yeah. three sixty going back to the shining of like that's what his dad did basically, and trying to hunt him down. Now he's yeah. hunting down Abra the same way. Yeah. So that means that Jack was possessed by spirits. Yeah. Of the overlord. Uh, yeah, I guess right? technically. Technically, that's exactly what happened yeah. is that he is pretty much possessed by the Overlook Hotel and the Overlook Hotel is constantly wanting people shine and wanted Danny shine, shine ever yeah. since he was a kid. Yeah, they really want him bad. <laughs> right. And I feel like um, so... they take the vulnerable people and I guess he was the most vulnerable yeah. person at that time. Yeah, definitely. Um what I really love is that Abra, when they do find one another, she notices that there's something wrong with him very clearly. And she is able to find him in his mind um, and basically says, hey, the ghosts took you on a stop to the boiler room. Like, right. a, go down there. <laughs> like, you have to go um, down there. So there's... Yeah. Because all the ghosts would be like, what do I need to go to the boiler room for? I'm going down there. Let's go there. That's like a, what is Abra it? Is so um, smart. Reverse psychology. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's done so well. Yeah. Because uh, obviously the ghosts are like, well, they don't know that we can hear what's going on in their heads. <laughs> Idiots. Right. But Abra knows that. <laughs> Uh, there's a really nice moment between Dan and Abra, uh, basically, because he realizes that he has to end this once and for all and that he has to take the Overlook down. Um, so he basically says to Abra, you have to leave, and he tells her to shine on, which I was, like, almost crying Aww. in this scene. So <laughs> sweet. I was like, no, I want you to be BFFs forever. <laughs> um so Dan goes down to the boiler room and overloads the boiler. Um, he has a really nice moment with his mother, Wendy. So there's like this moment of peace and acceptance and knowing that this is it. Right. There's a sense of empathy yeah. and self-sacrifice. And yeah, you said it perfectly. There's that moment of peace and realization, like this is where his story ends and this is where everything led to. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's really, um, it's really nice, but also really incredibly sad. And it's so compassionate to see Dan come from where he was at the start of the film, where he left that mother there basically dead and let her child die. And now he's, yeah. this is his redemption part of his journey where he's like, okay, well, I gotta go. I gotta do this. Right. This is it for me. And it's awesome I mean, to see his mom um, pop up again. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. And I was discussing this with another person who, uh, Rachel Reeds, who chose Christine for us to record. And we were like, Stephen King does not give a shit how you feel about the main characters. He will kill them off. 
he will oh, yeah. absolutely break your heart. She'll <laughs> like, give him a, no, a redemption no. arc and kill him. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. It's so sad that I'm just like, why do you keep doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, all the time I'm like, damn you, Stephen King. Uh, so basically the Overlook is consumed by flames. Um, Dan is killed. Abra watches on. And then um, we have like a little bit of an epilogue where we see Abra who is continuing on in the future, communicating with Dan from the other side. She doesn't really say anything to her mother about who she's talking to, but then there comes to a point where she's like, oh, yeah, I've been I've been speaking with Dan and Dad. And her mum right. is just like, oh, that's cool. Exactly. Right, it's sweet. it's learning that she really could... Cool uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like before she was always hiding her shine and her abilities, especially around her parents. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they don't... Uh, Dan asked her earlier on in the movie, it's like, oh, do your parents know? And she says they don't talk about it because I feel like she's ashamed of it. And obviously the way the world yeah. interacts with people who are different and stuff like that, there's a big impact and she can read other people's thoughts, which is probably a big motive of, I should not really share this, but this is a beautiful moment where she realizes like, I should embrace my powers and tell my mom. Yeah, actually yeah. I was lying. I was talking to uncle Dan, but also I talked to my dad, AKA your husband and he's doing well too. And I feel like that is a yeah. beautiful message to tell her that because that's something she would want to hear as well. It kind of accepts her daughter in that moment. Yeah. And they share that perfect like 10 seconds of staring at each other. And then she goes back downstairs for dinner. I was like, that's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that her mom doesn't shame her for her abilities and, I think that if we had a story of just Abra moving right. forward, that we'd see how powerful she actually gets and how she uses her power and her shine. Oh, I can't future. wait. I, I really want that. Even if it becomes its own series, I'd make, I, I would yeah, love a TV <laughs> series of Abra. Ooh. That'd be cool. I reckon. I reckon they should do it. Let's write to Mike Flanagan. Right. After we show our tattoos. To him. Yeah, what we'll do, okay, so what we'll do is we've got to get Mike Flanagan t-shirts, we've got to get our tattoos and write a letter, send pictures of the t-shirts and the tattoos, put it in the letter, and then our pitch for an Abra TV show. Uh, that sounds perfect. I'm down. I think this is has, it right, has cool. to be done. Sweet. has to be done. Yeah. Well, um, but we're going to need, who's a good, who can write good stories? I, we just need a brief because I can't write a PR <laughs> pitch brief. Right. I'm going to need someone who can just do a it. long line, real quick, and that's it. We'll we'll look yeah. after it. <laughs> this is what I want. You can do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um. So at the end of the film, uh, Lucy, who is Abra's mum, and her are uh, getting ready to watch TV for the night. So Abra excuses herself and goes to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, who do we see waiting for Abra? Ooh, the scary two, three, seven <laughs> lady. And I, I love this. It's so great. Without hesitation, she just goes in there too. I love that. She just storms on in. She's like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the way she closes the door um, behind her too. Yeah. So like, not even in the hurry. It's like, this is fine. I know exactly what to do. Let's go. What a fearless yeah. hero. That's awesome. Yeah, because obviously the ghosts, when the Overlook is destroyed, won't necessarily be destroyed with it. 
Right. Not yeah. All of them. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. And that's why I feel like there's another story to be told. And yeah, if they yeah. decide to continue on, that's awesome. If they decide to end the story here, that also works very well. Because it is very much a standalone. Yeah. But they can continue it if they want to. Yeah, yeah. I reckon, yeah, a, a, a prequel with the True Knot talking about them and give Rose the Hat story would be really awesome to see. And then something with Abra and Dan as her mentor, like Dick was to Dan. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Make it a trilogy. Oh. <gasps> Just scrap The Shining. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, it's it's a good movie. I, I I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I I wouldn't want to see a remake of The Shining though. Personally, mm, nah. I think that story's been told and it's done. But more Doctor yeah. Sleep type of uh, content would be great. Yes. But no more Doctor yeah. Sleep. I just want Abra. That's all. It. Yeah, just Abra. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> so um, what is your overall feelings summarized about Dr. Sleep? Um, so I, I have to say, because this movie was, what, 2019? I think this was my favorite movie of 2019. And at that time, I don't think I was that big into horror just yet. Because I, I've always loved horror, but I never became a person to say, like, horror is my favorite genre until this year. I actually will say that. I'll announce it. I did announce it a couple weeks ago, but <laughs> genre for all types of movies, horror is my favorite genre. And that's fantastic. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and I have to say, Doctor Sleep is probably in my top 10 of best horror films ever which is a lot of horror films, obviously. There's a lot out there. And I feel like just this one is a full package. I don't think there's any pacing issues. I don't think it's not well shot. It delivers on everything it tries to hit. And it has such a great impact and such a great story. And yeah. it just plays out so well. And it's in the hands of Mike Flanagan, who's such a great creator and storyteller and you really get these great performances out of all of the cast members and i don't think i can complain about anything about this movie there's not one thing about this movie where it's like oh they could have done that different or they didn't really need this everything played to a purpose and i feel like that's as good as it gets to be honest and i feel like not a lot of people talk about this movie i know there's a lot of love for this movie for the people who have seen it which is fantastic but even looking at the ratings the ratings aren't that crazy great uh they're really good obviously but could be better and i feel like there has to be a lot more recognition for it and i feel like there was a lack of recognition during the award ceremony of last year during the oscars and the golden globes that it wasn't even recognized at all for the most part and yeah we get these great performances even by uh rebecca ferguson who i thought would have been nominated and we see that even in like the movie hereditary with uh oh my god why did I... yeah tony collette who obviously deserved <laughs> it but this is one of those movies i feel like helped make horror a grounded name and a little bit more mainstream because it is a sequel to the shining which is like loved by everyone it's a cult classic all that good stuff 
and I feel like it did the the movie justice, and it also did justice to a new property that continues the story on its own as well. So Mike Flanagan was able to make it his own, but he also didn't tarnish the legacy of this entire franchise and stuff like that too. So overall, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I think more people should go watch it. And if I were to read it, I would probably just give it a 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> no 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, yeah, because that, that I'm yeah, a harsh so. critic sometimes. I don't like to give perfect scores. But at the same time, I have to give a perfect score if I have nothing to complain about it. And I have nothing to complain. Yeah, that basically summarizes how I feel about it. It just gives me all right. the feels. Yeah. I don't know why or how or whomst, but yeah, it just gets me, it's got so much heart to it. And I think that that's really a testament to Mike Flanagan because obviously, like we've talked about already, that he just puts everything into what he creates. He's so passionate. He's so diligent. He's so detail orientated that, there's really nothing to fault in this. The cast is amazing. They didn't make a single mistake with any character. There's no um, there's no plot holes. There's no, there's nothing that I can just be like, that's weird. Why would you do that? Right. Even performances, yeah, there is no weak link. Everyone brings everything to the table. No. And it's done so flawlessly and so uh, with like ease. It feels like it was such an easy movie for them to make. Yeah. And there's so much in here and even from like the cinematography standpoint it's a very beautiful film to even look at and kind of digest and i've even seen the director's cut a couple times that's three hours like i don't know if there's a movie out there that's three hours where i've seen multiple times that's a long run time and mine's lord of the rings okay that's true yeah lord of the rings is good too (laughs) i I can rewatch that extended versions um but it's i've seen this movie i think I want to say, including the director's cut, maybe six times. And this movie just came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that says a lot. So, yeah, I, I love this movie. Can't praise it anymore. Yeah, I think I've watched it. I've watched it three times. And I was saying to somebody yesterday or the other day at work, I was like, it is just such an unforgettable film. Right. That's yeah, that's a big thing. I feel like it's very unforgettable. And it's something like, oh, if someone asks me, oh, I've never seen Doctor Sleep. Can I, should we go watch it? I was like, absolutely. But I always tell people a warning. Yes. Every Let's time go. I recommend this movie, every single time I recommend this movie, it's like, there's only one scene I have to give a warning about. And obviously it's the scene that we're all talking about, yeah. the kid dying. Um, I feel like yeah. that's a little too harsh sometimes. But at the same time, I feel like it's a good scene to have in there because it shows how terrible the knot is and... It works well for it. But I always give like a a warning to people who are about to jump into it. It's like, yeah, it's a great movie, by the yeah. way. If you're going to be a little squeamish at this point, just know it might not be for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's totally fine that people would be uncomfortable yeah, with that scene. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of people would are. And if you're not... You're a weird um, human being. <laughs> Can, we need yeah. to have a chat because I want to know what part didn't disturb you. In it's that. like you need a Tony in your life to I'm realign curious. you. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling my friend Tony. He's coming over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for talking about Doctor Sleep with me, which is probably one of my top ten favorite horror films. I have a lot of weird horror films in my list. This is probably the most normal one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
I have like Final Destination in my top ten, so why not? That's a great one. Yeah, it's a cool one. Okay, good. Another no, one that's unforgettable. That, that's it's, a, it's another movie. It's another movie that yes. is gonna like stand the test of time. People are always gonna remember Final Destination. Yeah, oh, I love that movie. I'm gonna watch it after this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of horror movies, what is the last horror movie that you watched? Ooh, uh, I saw, okay, well, I guess technically the last one I saw was a screener, so I can't really talk about that just yet. Um, okay. let me see. I will tell you right now. Just give me one moment. What's that? <laughs> so it's really cool. I do the thing where I have a list of all the movies I've ever seen at least this year, and I'm keeping track to see how many oh, movies I see in a year. Yeah. So I have uh, my letterbox, and it just has my list of 2021. And it's... <laughs> what a beautiful <laughs> service. As for a film lover. Oh, okay. So actually... Yeah. It was two different ones. One was St. Maud, and then Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> two completely different movies. <laughs> two complete different movies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Willy's Wonderland is just bonkers with Nicolas Cage, and St. Maud is a very grounded um, horror movie. And yeah, it's I love horror so much. There's so much great stuff in there and so much to take away. There's some comedy ones. It crosses a lot of different genres, which I, I love. It can be a comedy horror, drama horror, paranormal, a thriller, yeah. psychological. There's so many great things within the horror genre. Beautiful. It's just great. Yeah, I um I want to see Willy's Wonderland because there's a YouTuber that I'm obsessed with who was casted in it, Christian Del Grosso, and I was like, I want to oh, yeah. see what his acting is like because his his YouTube videos crack me up. So yeah, I I recognized him. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it's a great cast. It, they seem to have yeah. a lot of fun with that movie, and it's very self aware of itself. Uh, and without spoiling anything, Nicholas Cage doesn't say a single word in the entire movie, which I fucking love. What? Yeah, it's great. I recommend just watch it when you when you can. Let me know how you like it too. I would love to see your perspective. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna try and see how I can watch it. Uh, what's it streaming on in the states? Um, I don't know, but I rented it off somewhere. I think just off iTunes. I think I don't know. I definitely rented oh, okay, it. Okay, so I can rent it. Yeah, it That's should be right. on demand. Yeah. Sweet. That's exciting um cool so can you please tell listeners where they can find you on the social Absolutely. media so, so uh people can find me i think just at frederick Newty on twitter and i think that's the same with instagram as well but i use twitter mostly now because i love twitter so if you ever want to talk movies i'm always down you were there um what about where can we find oh uh, yes so uh the podcast i'm part of is nightlight a horror movie podcast should be available on all streaming services uh i also do goodnight movie club which is also part of the goodnight life network where we just break down a movie each month uh but yeah it should be available on itunes spotify Deezer, everywhere you can find podcasts i guess for the most part yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. It's been an same. This pleasure. has been a lot of fun talking about one of my favorite <laughs> movies. So thank you for having me. No, I'm so glad you're so passionate about it. Because when I have someone who just really loves a movie and comes on to talk about it, it's such 
it's a really cool experience. I, I, I can't even describe. Yeah, it's just like really it, they're sharing the love between a film, and it's 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 a fun thing. That's why I love what I do. I love being able to talk movies with my best friends and having a podcast and just having people listen is cool. But just the conversations we have is just yeah, man. Yeah, if I could do this full time, I would. Oh, me oh too. yeah, I would too. <laughs> just talking movies. Exactly, every day. that's the dream. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you once again. Please check Freddie out in all the places mentioned and check out the uh, Good Night... <laughs> good... <laughs> Help me out. I can't get words out of my mouth. <laughs> the Nightlight Podcast. <laughs> I was trying to do both and then it was just merging and I was just, it didn't work. Um... <laughs> there's a lot of good and there's a lot of nights. Yes, I don't know what I'm doing. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TGIF Pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday. Let's stop.